it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm going to ask a simple question. Maybe I should start whispering. I've noticed that when Biden is edging towards very unconstitutional movements of the government, the federal government, that is, he whispers. He whispers. He leans in. He whispers. He repeats key words. Our democracy. Our democracy. Until the Republican Party starts to push back on this our democracy phrase, people are going to keep using it in their, in their lexicon. We the people are the government. We are. It's amazing how the, the phraseology, the wording that is used with almost you know, fluidity by the Democrats and the media is ignored by millions of people because Biden whispers. He whispers. He doesn't dress up in a military uniform with unearned accommodations or awards or ribbons, excuse me. You know, he's not wearing, he's not wearing the uniform of a dictator. He wears a pretty standard blue suit, red tie, blue tie, whatever the, the occasion calls for. And he whispers. And he wants you to Look upon him like a almost grandfatherly type. He's been around the block. He knows the problems of the United States, even if he contributed to them. He had no choice. He was just one of 100 senators. He was a vice president. But when he whispers, he wants you just to be relaxed about what it is the government is proposing or what he's proposing. And it's being done for your own good. The government's going to create good paying union jobs. We no longer, when I watch the fact checkers, this is what I find fascinating about the fact checkers. They never say, wait a second, is this constitutional? What we have done in our republic, and if I need to do a remedial lesson for either newcomers to this program or the ankle biters, the concept of a constitutional republic is not an abstract and it's not amorphous. And you don't have to have had to, you don't need to be versed. You don't need to be able to to recite quotations from the Federalist Papers like you are a pastor with an incredible understanding of the Bible to your flock. that, That is not necessary. The concept of a constitutional republic goes like this. First of all, we're not a democracy. And yet you keep hearing, well, they got elected. They got elected. They never applied that to Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, for a bunch of people who say we're not allowed to ever say the 2020 election was stolen, they spent four years repeating chapter and verse that 2016 was stolen. And thus Donald Trump should be open to any actions of the Congress to not only rein him in, but to remove him. And we saw this most specifically on foreign policy. Well, it was the rule of the experts. You heard Alexander Vindman say he was violating accepted interagency norms. What does that mean? That bureaucrats, so-called experts, they are now, their, their aggregate opinion is greater than the power that we, we, we have bestowed upon the president of the United States. That, that, that's not true. These people are not autonomous, and they do not constitute a greater level of authority 
over foreign policy than the sitting president. They are there to merely advise and they are there to execute. The executive branch is there to execute the duly duly signed laws by the duly elected president. If they are on the books, they are to be enforced. And wherein the president has more authority than Congress, the executive branch is to execute the plan designed by the president. Now, the president wisely would look upon the executive branch, the State Department, Department of Energy, Department of Commerce, and say, well, what do you guys think? Give me your, give me, give me your, your pitch here. But that doesn't mean that the president can't say, well, you know, I think we've been doing something your way all this time. So I'm going to consult people who are not of your ilk, and we're going to do it my way this time. And if somebody doesn't like the idea of the commands they're given, they can exit the executive branch. It's not the military. A soldier in the midst of battle can't say, well, I'm not going to follow orders anymore. I don't feel like being here. But a bureaucrat can. A diplomat can. An analyst can. There's, there's, there's no obligation for them to remain on the job. They do so completely voluntary. They are not under a four-year contract awaiting a honorable discharge. They are free to come and go as they please. If they're going to work in the executive branch, the superior authority is the president of the United States and no one else. But as far as a republic, the Constitution creates, yes, three branches uh, three, three branches of government, one of which is a bicameral branch, the legislative branch. That branch specifically, which is supposed to be the most powerful one, and the House of Representatives being the more powerful of the two, have a list of enumerated powers. These are the things they are allowed to operate within and nothing else. The Tenth Amendment, the last of the Bill of Rights, says all powers not delegated to the government of the United States are reserved to the states or to the people. There's no gray area there. There are clear, there are clear defining lines between the House, the Senate. I'll give you perfect examples. Each House is permitted by the Constitution to make its own rules from within. The Senate cannot make rules for the House. The House cannot make rules for the Senate. The Supreme Court cannot make rules for the House or the Senate. The Supreme Court can't just step in and say, well, we've decided this is how you're going to elect the Speaker of the House. As a matter of fact, I'll give, you, I'll give you something very interesting. It says right in the Constitution that the House shall choose its Speaker. Does it make any mention that that person must be a member of the House of Representatives? It does not. As a matter of fact, if the House of Representatives says, you know what we like? We would like, we would like um, a Supreme Court justice to consider resigning their position and become Speaker of the House. They could do that. As a matter of fact, if the Republicans took over the House of Representatives, they could choose Donald Trump to be their speaker. There's nothing in the Constitution that says it must be a sitting member of the House of Representatives. The Supreme Court would not have jurisdiction to say to the body that chooses its own leader based on its ability to make its own rules that that the House of Representatives could not choose a former president. That's 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 not in their purview. That's not in their jurisdiction. Now, there would be people that would obviously try to sue, 
But that's not how it would work. What we have happening now is we, we are operating like a democracy. The government essentially says, well, now that we, we, have cleared the, we have cleared the slate, Democrats are in charge. This is what the people want. They can have whatever they want. That's, not how, that, that's how a democracy works, not how a republic works. So when Biden says he's going to set a labor rate, he's going to decide what form of energy we use in the states. He's going to make all of these decisions by himself within the Oval Office. That is not permitted. And yet it's done routinely. It is done routinely by Democrat presidents. They expand the authority beyond the scope afforded to them. And then here's where I get that. This is where I'm going to go. The belief or the belief we're supposed to hold is that this constitution is under a constant review and update by ever, ever more, or should I say, changing norms within law schools. So the words as they were written As long as we change the definitions, we're not technically violating things. Well, yes, you are. When something says shall not be infringed, you know, it's funny. Biden said the other day that no amendment is absolute. Does that mean the 14th Amendment? Does that include the 15th Amendment? Does it include the 19th Amendment? If no amendment is absolute, does that mean there's some wiggle room for a state I wouldn't support it. I'm just saying that if a state said, well, you know, if the president thinks all the other amendments in the Bill of Rights are not absolute, then maybe we could have a piece of legislation that says only married women can vote. Wait, 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 wait. you can't do that. Why not? You said no amendment was absolute. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater. That is one of the most idiotic arguments I've ever heard. First of all, you can if it's in the script. And if you say, well, what it means is you can't incite a riot. Well, that's different than the freedom of expression. Democrats incite riots all the time. They say Donald Trump did it on January 6th. Yet Democrats have been telling people to not let up, to be in the streets, that breaking windows, that's what insurance is for. Well, if people are upset, we're going to give them a place to break stuff. That, what that, is the, how is that not inciting a riot? Well, insurrection. Insurrection? Well, what do you call what just took place in Oklahoma? Or what took place during the hearings of uh, Brett Kavanaugh? Or the nightly firebombings of the federal court in Portland? It's not when you like it and when you don't like it. The plan that is being laid out right now is, in fact a Marxist plan. It is not a violent overthrow of industry. It is not a violent seizure of the means of production. It's not a violent taking of farmlands. It's being done administratively, a la Shays Rebellion. So here's the big question, and I would love to speak to Democrats about this. Are you supporting a Marxist plan? Do you, are you a Marxist at heart? Because that's the way you want to govern or that's the way you want to be governed. Therein lies a huge difference. Whenever you watch 
any news program, you watch any debate on the floor of the House of Representatives, the United States Senate, a presidential debate, a primary debate, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Those people are not talking about how they're going to live. They are talking about how you're going to live. The essence of the American Republic is that the government is limited, for better or for worse, in what powers it may have. Science does not trump liberty. If it did, then that would mean we would have people in white lab coats acting as our overlords. They would just tell us how to behave, how to live, how, what to eat, where to go, all based on air fingers, quote, follow the science. It'd be all based on scientific data. And technocrats would be saying, well, that's not good for you. That's not good for you. You can't do this. You can't do that. And again, this is, this is a, what, what happens is when you allow the government an unbridled power to air fingers, quote, do good or for the common good, then essentially it comes down to politics. Do we, do we or do we not have an AIDS crisis? We don't call it that anymore. Did we make any re- behavioral restrictions to prevent the spread of HIV and AIDS? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. And there are many things I like about Governor Rick Perry, but there were people that were extraordinarily offended and disgusted when he mandated the use of Gardasil on preteen girls to prevent the spread of human papillomavirus. They said, you can't do that, but it was a health crisis. Just because something might appear to be, you know, if that was the case, we could solve almost every problem by just restricting all freedoms. We could have curfews. We could have everything divided by gender. We could tell people they're not allowed to eat a single calorie more than it is good for their body because they might put on weight or have a single drink of alcohol because alcohol is bad. Right now, the government's trying to ban menthol cigarettes. Why? They're not banning cigarettes. They just want to ban menthol cigarettes. Well, Andrew, what do you want? People shooting needles in their arms? No, not really. But these do not trigger new government powers. The government is not empowered to simply reset take over, and run the economy. That's not granted to them anywhere in the Constitution. There are certain provisions like, yes, the federal government may build roads. It may regulate interstate commerce, but what that means is to make commerce among the states regular. That means that if a product is traveling from North Dakota to South Dakota, South Dakota doesn't get to say, well, now you're going to pay a tariff because that product came from North Dakota. It's to make things regular. Not to just, we've even, uh, we've even debauched that word. Regulation now means anything the government wants to, to lay upon any industry. What freedoms does Joe Biden promote? At this point, what freedoms do the Democrats promote at this point? Even against the concept of the greater good, if the greater good, if the common good or the greater good wipes clean the slate of the Constitution and allows the government to regulate and govern as it pleases, 
then why do we have a constitution? Why do we have this document? Why even bother with it? And if the constitution isn't the law of the land, if the law is not to be followed by the government, then why should the citizenry obey the government? Well, the, that comes down to, does the government have more force of will than the average person? The answer is yes. If the government can simply make laws that are unconstitutional and those laws are going to be enforced unconstitutionally simply because the government is a corporation with the exclusive monopoly on force and may use force up to lethal force to enforce its will. That doesn't mean the law is just. It just means people are afraid to get incarcerated or killed. Freedom is what people are willing to die for. The law is what the government's willing to kill for. So my question to Democrats is, when you see these massive plans that are nothing more than national conformity, what freedoms are you promoting? What freedoms are you promoting? Now, what you'll get is something about transgender here or gay marriage there. Those are aesthetics. The idea that one person's right to be transgender trumps everybody else's right to understand biology is nonsense. Rights cannot be conflicting. You cannot say, well, the people have the right to keep and bear arms, but we also have a right to be uh, free from being uncomfortable with our neighbors having guns. Well, that's not in the Constitution. That's something you invented. These are fiats. These are intellectual fiats. Well, people have the right to be free from want. They do? FDR believed that. The newfound freedoms. The freedom from want. Well, there's always going to be want. The new one now, based on critical race theory, is that as long as racism exists in society, the federal government is unbridled to squash it. No matter how minuscule it may be. The federal government isn't taking a scalpel to racism. It's taking a 400-pound hammer. Nobody's allowed to think, move, or learn without critical race theory. Because somewhere in America, there's a racist. Doesn't matter if you're not a racist, you're going to abide by it because they have a cause. What we're seeing right now is national conformity. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the states must follow a national conformity. Unless there is a direct amendment. So no, you are not allowed to abridge the vote based on race or gender or age of majority and prior servitude. But simply saying, well, one in four black people don't have voter ID. The law wasn't written to stop black people from voting. That's again, a fiat that was invented by people like Stacey Abrams. If they declare that what is being, what is being, uh, what is being legislated for all has a untan- intangible consequence for a few that the entire law is to be tossed out. That's nonsense. Wine six ninety five Patriot nine five seven two eight seven four. My question for Democrats is, and I know you're there. I'm asking this in a civil tone. You want me to whisper? Is the plan that you're supporting? something that you want when you see yourself at the table of government or something that you just can't wait to abide by? 
How much can the gov- should the government be allowed to inconvenience you? How much of your day should be consumed by simply following whatever the government orders you? Should people be forced by regulation away from single-family detached housing into multifamily, economically diverse housing because you want to teach people a lesson? Should people by force be nudged out of their privately owned automobiles and onto, onto government transport? If government transport is so convenient and so easy, why is it no one in the government is willing to use it? If public run, if government education is so great, why is it no one in the government sends their own children to it? If a government-run health care system is so great, why do the world's leaders come to the United States for treatment? So that's my question to you. If you have the intellectual courage and ability to answer it, I'm all ears. Is the Marxist plan that you are now supporting, is it because you see yourself as part of government or a willing participant in the class of the governed? Now, here's where you're going to lose, and I know you won't even try. Any one of you can do this in less than 10 minutes. Open up browsers, put the Bill of Rights and the 10 pillars of communism in front of your face and ask yourself which one you want to live with and which one you think you're living with when you listen to the Democrats speak. Wines at 695 Patriot 9572874. We are right. They are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. I haven't even gotten into the audio yet. Serious XM You can join me live on the Will Count Majority Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West on Serious XM Patriot Channel 125.